Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. Dear listeners to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome, I am Melissa and I am joined as always, well, hopefully, almost always, <laughs> I am joined by her this week, down there in Texas. Yeah, you are. It's me, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Wendy. Uh, and... <laughs> Uh, so uh, this has been a week of kind of, uh, I think we have uh, resolved a glitch with our website where apparently um, our final Fantastic Fest episode uh, hadn't gone live. Oh, <laughs> so no. I fixed that. I fixed that over the weekend. Uh, so that's up now. That's been reposted. And last week's episode has gone up too. So hooray. hooray. We have fixed our, our glitches that escaped our notice for a couple weeks. Uh, also, shout out to Grey Duck, who always comments on our website and makes us feel loved. So thank you. Aww. Yeah. So, Wendy, how have you been doing this week? Um, it's It was a good week. Good. Um, for uh, both uh, personal and, uh, and movie reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, um, I made what was hopefully my last payment on my student loans because <gasps> the woman I talked to at the place was like, um, you've met your requirements. Do you want to just go into forbearance while, you know, the it works through the system that you're done? And I'm like, <laughs> I can do that? <laughs> yes, I would love to not pay anymore. Thank you. Sweet. Um, so that's pretty sweet. Um, I had some good news at work. Nothing I really want to talk about here, but just uh, yep. something that had been weighing on me is no longer weighing on me. Um, sweet. Sweet. And I saw three excellent movies this week. <gasps> Tell me about the movies, Wendy. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm going to. Um, okay. What had happened was I went out to Weird Wednesday with George and mm. I saw something very fascinating. And then I hung out with the Cargills late on Saturday night and watched a Fantastic Fest movie from this year and a movie from Fantasia Fest last Ooh. year that did not make the cut for Fantastic Fest last year. Okay. So I want to talk about I want to talk about these movies. Nice. Um, I think I'm going to I'm going to go in reverse order. So first, okay. I'm going to talk a little bit about Megalomaniac. Okay. Um, which has not been released. So Megalomaniac played at, Fanta- at, pardon me, at Fantasia. Cargill was on the jury for Fantasia. They picked it as, I think, the best movie at Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Like, the jury loved it. Um, however, Fantastic Fest did not pick it up because of, quote, content. Huh. And... My friend, this movie is fascinating. 
Um, this this makes me wonder, given the content that Fantastic Fest does screen. Uh huh. <laughs> okay, please please continue. I don't understand why they didn't grab it. I don't. Okay. Having watched it, um, the like, the thing is, it's literally in the last shot that the movie lays all its cards on the table. Like, okay, it's been building to a full house. It's possible that's what might be going on, but the final shot is where they put down the final card and you're like, oh, I get it. So nice. this movie is, in simple concept, it's the te- the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from inside the house. Like, <laughs> how does a family like the Chainsaw House family happen? Okay. So... Okay. And the main character is a female in this family. So they make it very clear that the father was a psycho killer doing terrible things. Father Mm -hmm. is, but now, now in the present, father is dead and it's brother and sister and they're living in this rundown house. Mm -hmm. And the sister is being assaulted at work the brother is controlling and but he's not the abuse is not overt at home it is that controllingness and limiting but she's not a good guy because she asks for a pet of her own and her brother brings her one home Mm -hmm. so it all throughout it is oppressive to women. It is okay. nonstop. Um, okay. And she's no better because she's now participating in the family business as well. But okay. this movie in that final shot is literally, look, the patriarchy. Okay. The, okay. The assaults are done very well. They are. It is clear what is happening, but there is no male gaze. There is no exploitative nature to them. Um, it is creepy. It is uncomfortable. Uh, but that last shot, the way it just makes it real darn clear. Nothing about this is okay. Why does this happen? Hello, would you like patriarchy? <laughs> go out into the lobby and discuss. <laughs> so, and the way Cargill describes it at Fantasia is that there wasn't a peep during the entire world premiere screening. People just sat there in silence, very uncomfortable. And then the last shot happened, and then everybody was on their feet. Nice. Cargill absolutely loves it. I don't love, love, love it, but I think it is a movie worth watching because I think it would bring up good conversations Um, okay but it's a hard watch okay um and i think i had the experience because cargill had warned us what it was about my experience was probably different than other people's who Mm -hmm. like and that's so if if you hadn't if you had not had this leveled like if i hadn't had it leveled and i watched it blind might i have said this is not worth i don't want this this is this is nothing but oppression uh, on women, possibly. Mm-hmm. 
by the, because by the time it gets to the end, it's been kind of unrelenting. So it's, do you still have enough spoons at the end to see that the misogyny was the point? Right. Yeah. So, um, fascinating movie. And um, that was the second movie we watched at the Cargills. It was a hell oh of a night. <laughs> that, that was the meat in the sandwich. That's interesting. <laughs> right. Um, whoo, the, Okay, so then working backwards, the first movie we watched, and I'm curious if you saw it at Fantastic Fest, was She is Conan. Did you? Yes. Okay. Let us talk about She is Conan. Okay, this is by the same guy who made After Blue, which famously I did not like. Right. Because it was just meandering there what the hell was the point and it was very very gooey in its aesthetics <laughs> and, and i just got real turned off by all the goo everywhere but i liked conan cargill told me that the the write-up for fantastic fest was just gender flipped conan and i'm like what no that what? is not what it is what it is but it isn't it like Okay. That's like the least of what it is. Yeah. 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 Like there is a character named Conan who is a barbarian being played by a woman. Mm -hmm. And there is, and the person she falls in love with is another woman named Sonia with red Mm -hmm. hair. That's literally it. That's about it. (laughs) That's about the only way this ties to Conan the Barbarian. There, there is nothing in the movie She Is Conan that that would have been envisioned by Robert E. Howard. <laughs> oh, God, no! Wow, um, it the visual style. I because it wasn't as gooey. <laughs> I could appreciate oh, yeah, a lot it's, more. It's much more glittery. It's much very glittery. More glitter, less goo. Um, mm-hmm. l- listeners, I cannot cannot overstate. When I say that After Blue was gooey, everything, mm-hmm. everything was covered. <laughs> and I swear to God, KY. Just, and <laughs> and this, the Foley made sure that you felt all the goo too. But this mm-hmm. movie's different. So this is a woman very clearly ending up in the afterlife. It opens. Uh, the person next to her kind of turns around and goes, oh, Conan, there you are. This person... Rainier is a masculine person being played, by the way, by a very famous French actress, um, Mm -hmm. but with a dog face makeup on. And that makeup was really good. Yep. Um, And, oh, there you are, Conan. I was looking for you. You're, I don't remember you. I don't remember my life. Well, you are a barbarian. You are the greatest barbarian of all. And then basically, let's walk through your life and see if you remember how much of a barbarian you were. Because you were the greatest of them all. And it's this... The way Cargill sold it to me, which did make me interested, was a woman has to kill herself every 10 years to become the person she is intending to be. And it's so fascinating. So every 10 years, she's played by a completely different actress. Yep. The the new Conan shows up and goes, hey, by the way, I'm the new you. And 
I'm going to kill you because let's just skip to the end. Like, the, especially the first time. I love it. I was like, I mean, you could live through those 10 years, but what if I just killed you now and we just kind of skipped ahead? Would that be okay? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm down with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the visual style of it is stunning. Okay, your turn. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the other way that Cargill describes this movie is Barbarella on Mescaline. Yes. Which describes the look of it fairly well. Because it, all everything about it looks like it's an actual set. Yes. And not a very expensive one. Like things, I think are well like literally made out of like those uh, mylar blankets that they have in emergency kits you yeah. know that sort of thing um a lot of diy stuff but the the artifice is part of it they're not trying to hide anything they instead lean into it and make it into art so it's almost like junk art but you know as this character moves from lifetime to lifetime, it's it's a vignette each time. So there's like little mini plots that she runs through. And it's almost like it goes between genres, depending on what vignette you're in. Uh, the, the most striking one, I think, is like the 1980s Mad Max in Paris sort of thing that yes. they have going on with uh, and the uh, the actress playing Conan in that bit is like this statuesque black woman bald with enormous eye makeup and a flaming sword and a shiny car and it's amazing. <laughs> yes, so yes, it it it's a it's a and then the glorious thing is you go through all of this and it's fascinating. And then it lands on this, I don't want to spoil anything, but it it lands on this scene that just takes it to a whole different level of like discussing art and the consumption of art. Uh-huh. Literally. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's very French, but, but French in the best ways. This shit is bug nuts. It's great. <laughs> um. Chris was Chris actually got to watch the movie because we started early oh, nice. enough. Um, mm-hmm. So often he he doesn't really get to watch movies at the Cargills because he's such a morning person. Mm-hmm. He loved it because it oh, was great. He's like it was bonkers, but gorgeous, but weird. I mm-hmm. and he he and I both sort of bemoaned that would have been so great to watch with a lot of people. Oh yeah, like it was a the, wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. So, Melissa, oh. I did get to see a Fantastic Fest film. Oh, good. I got to see Conan. Uh, of the ones that I would have selected specifically for you, that would have been on the very tip top. Yay! <laughs> yeah, um, that that is a movie for you. And, and also, oh, dear listeners, it was so pretty. I wanted to frame every shot. It's primarily it in black and beautiful. white. Yeah, but and I mean, it wonders... But it wanders back while. and forth in between color and black and white. And uh, it's gorgeous either way. Yeah. And when they choose to use color, the reasoning on it is so sharp and clear. Like it's it's got such clear vision of what it's mm-hmm. doing, which is such a contrast after blue, which I was like, okay, look, I call it a tone poem or whatever, but this is not, it, this is not the kind of film that I love. Right. Right. 
And I mean, that's totally okay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the last film, Melissa. Yeah. George and I saw yeah. Passion by Brian De Palma. De Palma's <gasps> film Passion. Have you seen this? I don't think I have. Okay, it stars Rachel McAdams. Okay. And Numi Rapace. Okay. It is now George and I afterwards were talking about like it clearly is trying to vibe those 90s erotic thrillers, except that it's not erotic. <laughs> right. Like there are sex scenes. There's even a lot of scene. There's even tension, but none of it is really actually sexy. <laughs> it's right. just sort of. Oh, oh, OK. Oh, Um and I can't tell if that was to, like his intent or a miss. Apparently, uh, Numi Rapace was cast first and she was like, what if the other person was Rachel McAdams? I've always wanted to work with her. Cool, cool. Yeah, let's get Rachel McAdams. Okay, cool. What if the lesbian subtext was not subtext? Then? <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, Rachel McAdams, yeah, I'd want to. I'd want to have some intimate scenes. Um, so this is a movie that has so many twists and turns. And it's a lot of fun to watch. It's a bit of a mess. Okay? Okay. It's a it's De Palma. It's De Palma. You'd love it. The lots of <laughs> lots of visual style. Um, but here's what I really want to bring up. I, I'm just fascinated by this and by my brain a little bit. So bless him. The, the person hosting the showing was like, you know, this is De Palma, Numi Rapace, Rachel McAdams, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's going to be visually stylish. Let's watch. So there is a central scene in the movie where Numi Rapace goes to the ballet. Um, okay. And this becomes her... Alibi. Yes, by the way. Mm -hmm. She needs an alibi at one point. That tells you the kind of movie we're watching. Um, and first off, I want to talk about how this ballet is presented because there's this, this, this thing that is happening that she needs an alibi for and then the ballet and it's split screen because De Palma. Well, yeah. And this ballet is The Afternoon of a Fawn, which is a very oh. famous ballet. I'll get to yeah. that in a bit because that's actually what I want to talk about. <laughs> but this is um, originally Afternoon of Afon was the original ballet was 1900s. This is Jerome Robbins choreography. So this is from like the 50s. So just right. FYI. But the way they are performing it is they are doing this romantic pas de deux, which is a duet between two dancers, but they are not looking at each other. They are making aggressive eye contact with the camera. Huh. And when I tell you it was so uncomfortable, I had never considered what it would be like to have somebody doing ballet and staring at me. <laughs> and I could also appreciate, because it was very clear to my eye as somebody who has been a dancer on stage, like, how hard it was 
because they're not looking at each other and checking in with each other as they are dancing together. They are staring at the camera. And so there are a couple of moments where it's like, oh, that must have taken a little bit of rehearsal because you're not seeing where you're going because you're looking at the camera. So first off, that was going on, which made that entire scene so voyeuristic and performative and uncomfortable. It was really effective. I give mad props to to De Palma, like, hey, let's do this ballet, but I want you to stare. But here's the <laughs> thing. I don't know if that was De Palma or not, because this is based on a French movie called Love Crime. Huh. It was okay. originally a French movie called Love Crime. So I'm very interested to find that movie now, because is that something that's done in the original French movie? It, where they're staring at the camera while they do this ballet. I'm pretty right. sure the ballet is integral to both movies. And here's why. This is mm -hmm. where I get to um, lecture a little bit about dance history. Bear with me. <laughs> so Alrighty. I'm sitting there watching and it's like, oh, she's going to Afternoon of a Fawn. That's interesting. And my brain is just because my brain remembered this. I had to take dance history in college because I was a musical theater major. And so everything about this is coloring the rest of the movie and the movie finishes. And I turned to George and George was like, that ballet was interesting. And I'm like, that ballet is infamous. He's like, oh, mm -hmm. really? What do you mean? I'm like, you've heard of the Rite of Spring, right? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, and have you heard about the fact that the Rite of Spring like caused riots because it was so shocking. He's like, yeah, I have. And I'm like, the same ballet company, the same people, the same creators, the Ballet Russe in Paris, mm -hmm. led by um, producer Diaghilev with lead dancer and choreographer Nijinsky, created The Afternoon of a Fawn. And mm -hmm. George was like, oh. And I'm like, this ballet is infamous. And just like, it didn't cause quite... The riots, but it was scandalous because the story of the ballet is that a fawn wakes up and he flirts with some nymphs. And then at the end of the ballet, he masturbates to completion on stage, <laughs> symbolically using a scarf. <laughs> and George was like, oh. And I'm like, needless to say, Paris society was scandalized and they sold mm -hmm. out the rest of their performances because of it. Um, well, yeah. So this ballet that is her, her alibi is about waking. It is about sex and flirting and mm -hmm. desire and unrequited desire. And most importantly, a scarf, because yes, a scarf plays a major role in the the plot. And so Fantastic. George was just like, okay then, how do we tie that? <laughs> and he was like, so who's the fawn? And who's the nymph? And blah, blah, blah. And we had a great conversation. And then I ran into the um, the host and and he was sort of talking about the ballet. And I'm like, and I'm like, that ballet is infamous. And he's like, it's a real ballet. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. 
the end very clearly deliberately chosen but like i'm sitting here thinking what that ballet is the motifs of which are very clearly like being spread throughout like this is we didn't just choose this ballet this ballet was was deliberate but yeah it's more at Easter egg levels. Like if you know this ballet, you're going to be like, ho, 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 I see what you're doing there. But the movie was originally French. <laughs> and it got me thinking how, how much different it probably plays to a French audience to reference The Afternoon of a Fawn, which is probably even now much more of a cultural touchstone to French people mm-hmm. than it would be to Americans. So, yeah, <laughs> this, <laughs> uh, Melissa, now that I've told you all about the ballet, you should watch yes. it and then like, Perfect. just, just see what okay. you think. <laughs> just see, because I am excited to see this. <laughs> wakings and flirtations and sex and a scarf. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and ballet. And so, yeah, so I, I watched three really fascinating, chewy movies this week. And nice. normally, yeah, I'm proud of you. Normally, like, we just talk about one each, but listeners, they were, I didn't, I couldn't pick. It was a yeah. smorgasbord. Oh, my God. Oh. You got some good ones. Yeah. 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 <gasps> what did you watch this week, Melissa? I saw... Razorback. <laughs> I had to translate. <laughs> I, sh- I should watch it since we're going to Australia. Yes, you should. Yes, you should. It's awesome. Uh, so, dear listeners, Razorback is uh, <laughs> Razorback. Ra- the movie Razorback. Razorback is available on streaming for a modest sum from most streaming rental sites. And it is beautiful. So, uh, Razorback is a movie <laughs> that was made during the Ausploitation filmmaking era in Australia, of course, by Russell Mulcahy, who later went on to make Highlander, among other things. Hmm. Razorback is a very... <laughs> Is it's a it's it is great for the spooky season. If you need a uh, if you need a monster movie for your spooky season viewing, if you need to uh, uh, strike off the R in your hubris ween list, which is what we were doing when we looked up Razabek to watch, um, this is a movie about a giant wild pig. That goes on a murder rampage <laughs> in the outback of Australia. So you've got desert, you've got Mad Max-like scenarios, but it's just the way people were living out in the outback at the time. Uh, you have a giant fucking pig running around killing people. So so your your main characters wind up being this old guy who uh, whose grandchild was killed by the Razorback, and he has, he is a hunter, and he, it is his mission to kill the Razorback. And from over 
from overseas, a Canadian woman comes over who's an animal rights activist, and she wants to do a documentary about the kangaroo hunters who are operating the area. And she doesn't get far, and the the locals dislike her, and she runs afoul of them. And chaos ensues, and bad things happen. And the, the plot kind of moves onward from there. And it is a solid action flick it's a good monster movie it is really beautifully filmed i mean uh the uh at the very least the print that's on uh apple tv is beautiful to look at it's it's filmed like a fucking music video Uh, if you want to have if you want to have flashbacks to uh, like 1986 and midnight oil comes on the radio (laughs) 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 this is the sort of thing you envision so uh so yeah it's a lot of fun it's a movie that uh, I feel like not many people today are familiar with, but it, you know, it has some traction among friends because uh, we hand it around and go, you got to watch Razorback. Razorback. <laughs> Razorback. It's super, it's super fun. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Very different in tone from the, all the movies I watch. Yes. I love it. I, lo- I, I love feel it. like, you know, you needed the, the little dessert. This is the dessert. <laughs> <laughs> it's waffle thin. <laughs> a little bit of pork <laughs> to cleanse oh. the palate. And there's of course very many good dogs in the movie. Oh, of course there are good dogs. It's in the it's in the outback. There's Australian cattle dogs everywhere and kelpies. So I was like, "Oh, yay, they'll look like my dogs." <laughs> okay then. <laughs> all um, right. So Wendy, yes. What other thing has brought you joy this week? Melissa, hmm? uh, I had never seen an annular eclipse before. <gasps> you got to see it. Oh, hooray. Because the the totality path was pr- down more down San Antonio. So we, mm-hmm. we only got like 85% totality. So right. it wasn't a full ring of fire, but it was like, I mean... It was like the letter C, like yeah. very close to completion. And mm-hmm. it, I, I almost liked it better than a full eclipse. And it's so crazy to me how shadows are the same shape as the sun. Yeah. So like when you look on the ground and all of the, like the shadows coming through a tree, and mm-hmm. at the height of the eclipse, it was just a whole lot, bunch of little seas just overlapping <laughs> yep. on the ground. And it was so yep. cool. And I was out to brunch with Jess and Tony and Ashley and Lola. And we kept like leaving our little brunch table and running out to the patio and putting on our glasses and looking up <laughs> and then being like, and then people were walking by and we're like, did you want to, did you want to look? You could, you could borrow my glasses for a little bit. And it was just... It was just a, f- a really fun hour of being amazed by, and and I'm I understand I do I do truly understand why, but it is still so weird to me that you can't see the moon. <laughs> <laughs> that you can't see the moon because like it's right there, it's hanging in the sky. 
How is something that big, that close to us, not visible simply because this, like you, part of me thinks like, well, the reflection of the earth should be able to bounce on it and we should be able to see. No, that's not the way it works. I know. But like, it's so crazy to me that the moon is right there. It's starting to block out the sun and you can't see it at all. No wonder people used to freak out. Well, if you couldn't see it, you'd just see the sun. So you are seeing it. It's just black. It's backlit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, you see fine. It. <laughs> but it doesn't look like the moon. It just looks like the sun is disappearing. It's so cool. Like, well, the moon is a circle all, at all times, even though it's only partly lit sometimes. But if you did, it's always a circle. You, no, like let's go back and like think if we didn't know what was going on, it would just look like the sun is being eaten. And you well, wouldn't yeah. know why, because mm-hmm. you couldn't figure out, well, why is the sun turning dark? And it's like, well, because that's the moon getting in front of it. But you can't see the moon to understand it's the moon. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. It was just so cool. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, we so, had we had clouds, so we couldn't oh. see anything at all. Yeah. Well, we were at, like, what, 50%, so it was like, eh, you know. It could have been, oh. yeah. Yeah. So what yeah. about you, Melissa? What... What's something that brought you joy this week? Bromeliads. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't that. that. Please do explain. Okay. So, dear listeners, air plants. So, at the <laughs> state fair this year, I was walking past a booth and they were selling air plants. And so... Dear listeners, if you don't know what an air plant is, it's this little bromeliad plant, kind of like an orchid, but without a flower. Um, Green thing with like little spiky, almost aloe-like leaves, but it has no roots. So you don't plant it anywhere. It doesn't go in soil. Bromeliads just kind of hang out in trees or, you know, on rocks or wherever they wind up landing and they get all of their nutrients and water just out of the air. So dust blowing by, mist, morning dew, they just kind of absorb that stuff. So you just got these little plants you can pick up and put anywhere in your house. So I bought three of them because it's like, oh, I've always wanted to have an air plant and they've got a deal. So I've got three different ones and I had them just kind of sitting propped up on some uh, shot glasses at my house and it's like oh they bring me joy and then uh then i saw a deal online to buy eight of them for like 15 bucks and i'm like (laughs) oh no i'll i'll just buy more (laughs) (laughs) so dear listeners i now have a squad of air plants different species I might add, you know, there, there's some, there's like one with like curly sort of leaves, kind of snaky looking. Uh, there, there are some where they have like short little leaves that curl under and some that kind of stick more straight up. And yeah, they're pretty interesting. And I do hear that if you treat them right, you know, they might even bloom, which is interesting. That's fantastic. But, you know, the care and feeding is, you know, they're pretty hardy. They seem to have a wide variety of taste in light, um, as long as you don't leave them in, like, too bright sunlight. And, you know, just every few days, you know, like, dunk them in a glass of water and (laughs) let them dry out again. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's literally it. I I kind of love it. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So I don't quite have as many air plants as uh, lava lamps yet. Uh, the it yet, would have to I... go... F- it, I have 11. I have 11 air plants and something like 45 uh, lava <laughs> lamps. So it'd be a way to go to best that obsession. But right now, I figure this is a relatively cheap and simple obsession to have. And they're and they're small. They're like, you, you can fit a couple of them in the palm of your hand. So, yeah. Okay. They're this, neat. I, this sounds lovely and charming. I love this for you. <laughs> I love this for you. Yay. Yay. So, dear listeners, we should wrap this up, especially since uh, my laptop just gave me a warning that I should plug it in. So, dear listeners, thank you for joining us this week. I have been Melissa, and that has been... Wendy. And we have enjoyed uh, talking at you. That sounds so rude. Uh, Performing for you. uh, (laughs) uh, Sharing our joys with you. There. there we go. We are sharing with you our joys. And uh, feel free to sh- share some of that joy with us, too. You know, stop at our website, send us a note, whatever. Uh, if there's something that you think we'd like, and we'd love to hear from you. So thank you and bye bye. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Literally on Blue Sky, I I posted that I had just watched Razorback and that other people should go watch Razorback too. And Cargill responded to me immediately with Razorback, <laughs> spelled phonetically. <laughs> and that's all it was. <laughs>